0: and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica
1: and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at money Made Easy podcast, and also on our website at moneymadeeasypodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. In the easiest way possible.
0: Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? <laughs> Heck no, not even close.
1: We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Wow, do we have somebody amazing for you today? I think I say that every week, but I have to say every week, it's honestly the truth. So uh, I am super excited though, because we haven't, well, I don't think, I mean, I feel like every guest we have on, we haven't had a guest like that before. So again, repetitive, but true. Um, Today we have Nicole Shiramante, and she is an investor in several different aesthetics companies companies um and lots of other things and I'm actually just gonna say hello to her and toss it over to her. So hello Nicole welcome to the show.
2: Good morning. How are you today?
1: Great. We're so excited okay. to have you on.
2: You know, this is my first official podcast. So Woo-hoo! I'm really excited as Woo-hoo! well. I got roped into one or two just making a comment here or there, but this is the first official podcast. I'm excited. Oh um, we are uh, excited. I am so excited!
1: I just cannot wait um, because I just think that you are one of the smartest um, business women that I know, and I just can't wait for our listeners to get to hear uh, about your your different investments and your just all the different good business advice that you're going to have for us today um, because uh, you got lots of different things going on. So why don't you give us a little background of what you've done, how you got to where you are, just kind of uh, fill us in, catch us up.
2: Okay, well, uh, let's see. It's, it's hard to go back, you know, 30 years, but just to it, it synops- synopsize this, uh, we have, right now I have multiple businesses across industries from legal to medical to, um, gosh, manufacturing, restaurants, publishing. And that's all been in the last probably three to four years in which I've gone in as an investor. Prior to that, you know, my entrepreneurial journey started when I was a teenager. I sold my first business when I was 18. What? And uh, yeah, so it was, that's a fun story. It might be a podcast in and of itself. But <laughs> 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 um, and then, um, you know, in my 20s, because of that exit, I really was Uh, kind of addicted to this whole concept of the startup and being your own an entrepreneur your own boss had some great successes had some terrible failures learned a lot from both Um, and then in my late 20s kind of started to get into more the MSO which is management services organization it's a it's a Type of consulting firm is the best way to think of it and as a non-lawyer and non-doctor i can't own medical and legal uh, practices and firms but i can manage them and i found that Doctors and lawyers are great at being doctors and lawyers, but they're not necessarily great at being the business end of things and developing their business and growing it. So most of my success in the last 15 years has come with partnering with professionals and helping grow those businesses, those professional businesses, whether they be medical practices or... um, or even law firms and into high level seven figure and then exiting or or moving on and putting it as a place of semi passive income and uh, and then that's put me in a position where I can start investing in other people Wow, wow, that was a lot sorry <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no that was that perfect. was great it's like. Like uh, let's
1: just go all the way back though. And um, let's start at the business that you uh, started as a teenager and then the, the, that you sold at 18. Wow. We have to, we have to go back to that.
2: Okay. Uh, Well, I do come from an entrepreneurial family and my father had his own business. So I grew up with my younger siblings, you know, and it started in the home. If the phone rings, everybody has to be quiet. Or if dad wasn't around, I learned at a very early age how to Try and answer the phone in a professional way, and um, so with that background it, you know I didn't actually start a business. it was people who I babysat for, and I was twelve years old when I started babysitting for them. They were ancient, I believe they were probably twenty six or twenty seven at the time <laughs> <You know? laughs> just so old, but it was a young couple who um who had this idea they started building a business and um Gosh, there's so much to this. But after helping them, just from answering phones to packing boxes, mm-hmm. uh, if, I wish it was some sexy, glamorous business. It was aquarium yeah. products. And- I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, it's just. Yeah, it, it was. It was a business. It was something he was passionate about. Uh, they it went from a hobby for him into well, let's save some money and let's create a retail store, mm-hmm. and then let's save a little more money and let's start wholesaling. And about the time they decided well, you know, we're wholesaling, we're buying from uh, distributors and importers. They just kept going up that line and they needed financing. Um, in this situation, it really was a hobby that turned in, you know, he was just looking to save a little bit more money on his hobby and it started this long line. Uh, I had, through, through some unfortunate things in my life, I in, ended up coming into some money and it was one of those situations where the phone rang one day at home and the bank called and said, for my father, he wasn't there. I went to take a message and they said, um, well, would you please let him know the new account set up for for his daughter are single signature and it's supposed to be double signature. So please let him know, come down and sign some paperwork. And at that moment I realized I, as a 15 year old, could go down and take money out of that account. So my father did not get that message. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I um, love it. At the same time, I knew that this couple was wanting to import a container of aquarium products from China. And this is pre internet, this is pre email. Yeah. Everything was right sort of, or, and, and trying to find people who could interpret. Um, so I knew what they were trying to do. They were trying to get loans from a local bank and they were being turned down. And I went, Hey guys, I have $15,000. I can do this. And it was in a full container, I think it, they call it quarter or a third container. Mm-hmm. And we brought in our first container. And- that is amazing. Yes. And because I was so worried about being grounded, I sold, not single-handedly, the three of us did it, but I sold the heck out of that container. So by the time <laughs> it docked in the U.S., every item on that container was pre-sold.
0: Oh, wow. So wow.
2: That that ensured I was able to get the money back into the yeah. account before my dad found out. <laughs> so <laughs> Wow. That is amazing at 15 at 15 wow. uh, we ended up doing that a couple times and i did charge quite a bit uh, it wasn't like a t- traditional interest rate um it was just 10 percent and and then it was like 60 days and then we did a 90 day we did it about i think it was three times before my dad found out And (laughs) And when your dad found out, what did he have to say? (laughs) He was not happy, but I had made a tremendous amount. I mean, they they couldn't, uh, there was margins in there because we were importing, that they were able to pay me very large amounts. This wasn't an interest thing. Yeah. So strictly a, I was getting a essentially a profit share, yeah. and uh, so he couldn't get too mad. He was not pleased. We had the whole honesty conversation, integrity, yeah. all of that. But he was—I think he was secretly a little proud of what I was able to do.
0: Yeah,
2: I bet. And uh, with that last group, we we kept growing the containers. With that last container that came in, I said, "Why don't you keep?" I had rolled that money, and I said, "Why don't you keep it?" And I want a percentage of the company. And uh, again, I was a minor at this point. Uh, I was almost 17 and uh, they agreed it was all handshake and they honored their their handshake deal. I wasn't of age where I could could sign documents and contracts. But when I was 18, uh, the local distribution company for West Coast decided that we were getting big enough. It, we were, I think we were just a little bit of a thorn in their side and they acquired us. That wow. is so cool. <laughs> wow like, it was a great experience just
1: amazed. Like I, I thought I was doing good because I started working at cloth world when I was 14. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it really was an amazing amazing experience. They were young, they had a lot of energy and they also kind of they they protected me. So my teenage years, a, a lot of times when kids were, You know, going to cheer practice or going to football games. I was going to trade shows. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so that was
2: that was my coming of age, and I I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was Um. it was different, and it was really hard to connect with people my age at the time. Yeah, oh my bad. Basis and a passion for entrepreneurship and bootstrapping. Uh, Right. So it 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 was a good start. So where did you go from there? What was your next move? Um, I stayed a little bit in, in that industry, uh, because it was what I knew and started a store, a aquarium, a saltwater aquarium store. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did actually, right after that, I did go to Europe for a couple of years and oh, just good. had fun. I mean, there, there was a period of time in there, but when I came back, uh, I'd been in Europe for a while. I came back, I met a six foot four blonde hair, blue eyed, former Marine, that this the <laughs> cowboy hat on him and married him in three weeks. So, <laughs> and, uh, which ladies, let's just say that's not the best way to find That was, that was a, a short term marriage. Uh, that lasted a few years, but he and I did start a uh, business in that industry. Okay. We did sell and uh, And so that was kind of the second business iteration, but Mm -hmm. we sold and we went ahead and did it on terms and we didn't get paid for that. Um, and so that was like, when I say like, yeah, I've had some amazing successes, but I've also had some failures and I've had some things that didn't work out well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, let's go into that just a bit, because for somebody who doesn't know what sold it on terms
1: means, hello, me, (laughs) I think I kind of do, but could you explain that and explain, you know, okay, so usually I'm, I'm guessing from that failure, you probably learned something.
2: Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, there that whole period of my life. First of all, don't marry someone after three weeks. uh,
1: (laughs) Very. I think that's very sound advice. Yes.
2: We could just stop right there. Just (laughs) might jump on that one. Um, But you know, what ended? We sold the business. We built this very successful business in the Portland, Oregon area. Uh, Sold it. uh, We were in some personal situations. His father had just passed away. We just needed to get away. So we. went ahead and carried it meant, meant that we carried the loan and they were just going to make payments mm-hmm. to us and they didn't. And they gutted the store and, uh, ran it for about a month, gutted the store, sold everything off and disappeared. Oh, wow. And, you know, we were young at the, I think at that point I was 23. And, uh, so that was a big learning lesson of mm-hmm. figuring out, uh, what sort of risk I am willing to take. Um, and really vetting individuals more. We did know them socially. They were the nicest, nicest people. But over the years I've learned that nice does not always mean honorable. And it does not always, you know, some of the nicest, best people I know are terrible employees. So, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they're still like, I want to have a beer with them. I want to go skiing with them, yeah. but they are just not great employees. Uh, so, and not to say that one equals the other, but these right. are just mm-hmm. as you grow up, you learn that you have to differentiate and you have to yeah. really identify uh, what it is you're trying to accomplish and see if those people on their own are able to to execute. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, that, that situation definitely led to a domino effect um, where I went from being worth healthy seven figures uh, when I was. 18 to 20 and to being in debt over a hundred thousand dollars at the time of my divorce when I was, I think I was about 24 at that point. Mm -hmm. Wow! So yeah, it was, uh, you know, going really high to really low, Mm -hmm. uh, becoming a single mom. Uh, The great thing about that whole debacle is I, my son, uh, I did find out I was pregnant the day after we decided to get divorced. So I'm only sharing these personal items because, women, especially out there, we deal with so much. And then when we look at others, we just see the highlights or we just yes. see it. Or if we're in our own stuck place or this a dark place, it's sometimes it's hard to see your way out mm-hmm. and you don't realize, I think it, hopefully it'll be helpful to others to know there was a absolutely. downtime and you had to pick yeah. yourself back up and start with yeah. nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. And, um, and so, but in that cycle in, in my early to mid twenties, um, you know, at the time I didn't enjoy going through that, what it, what it meant to go. I actually went after having this tremendous success being kind of a CEO of my own companies and all these big titles and all these big accomplishments to being broke, having to go get a job as an administrative assistant, which I was terrible at. Um, (laughs) and, and, and then get a nighttime job at Nordstrom's just Mm -hmm. to pay the bills. And, and then it was just, I mean, that was a a phase. It was a small, because of knowing what I loved and what I wanted, I never, ever felt like I was a victim. I never felt like I was stuck there for the rest of my life. It was like, okay, how do I get this back on track? Yeah. Yes. um, So anybody who's out there that finds themselves in a situation where they might be the victim, but you just can't take that on. You cannot mm-hmm. let that become part of your identity. And um, it took that. about a year to get back, you know, back into a place where I was in working for people who were very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked for a few different startups. And each time I did, I'd get introduced to new people who were either funding those startups and liked what they saw when i was working and then i was brought into the next one and then i was brought into one as a partner and so it was a step by step by step mm-hmm. uh, and it, it took quite a few years but every single one of those situations helped me learn something that allowed me to be successful later in a much bigger mm-hmm. way I think that's so important to hear that it was
1: quite a few years. (laughs) yes, Quite a few months. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, And I do, and I really appreciate you sharing the, -hmm. the failure with us too, because, and that you didn't let it define you and that you came back from it. Cause that Mm -hmm. is such a powerful message to, to everyone. But especially like you said, we do have, we do have, have a lot going on and we are dealing with a lot as women. And, um, I love that you turned it back around and, and just kept going. Um, What is it as far as, so how many different industries have you, we, we, let's see, we've got um, the aquarium, (laughs) we've got, um, let's see. So you have both of your medical
0: and legal side of things. But
1: how, so what, what was your next uh, industry, I guess, that you went into? after the aquarium industry, uh, other than working at, you said you were admin and Nordstrom's yeah. what industry did you go into next? As far as, um, when you were,
2: when I came into a, a partnership position, those were, I, we were in the charity industry with auction software, uh, and launched that there was, um, that was a really interesting situation, in which I was hired as an employee, Um, it was a really great thing that, that happened for a few years. And then I started to see some inconsistencies in accounting. I saw inconsistencies in, um, uh, what they were telling their investors. And then they started to bring me in and want me to say things that weren't true. And this, this is the integrity part. And this is what I, um, Mm -hmm. I think this is super important. I had uh, investors sitting in front of me and I had my two bosses who were asserting information. And then I remember one gentleman turning and looking at me and asking me to elaborate because I was, but what was just said was not true. And there was this moment of, okay, am I supposed to be loyal to my, my employers? It's just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out still fairly young loyalty and integrity, but I'm not going to lie about this, especially when this man is making a decision on how to spend his money and mm-hmm. invest his money, and I told the truth, and um, I quickly really left that company. <laughs> so um, they didn't want my you to stay today. after that, huh? <laughs> and I, I didn't, I didn't sell well, and mm-hmm. uh, no, it was one of those you have to get on board or you have to get out. And I went upstairs and I packed my box and and left. And and I share that again because there's just always those pivotal moments. I know yeah. I've raised. There's a lot more to that story and things that, that I'm sure if people Google it, they'll, they'll hear about that company. But one, it was time for me to leave. I knew it was time for me to leave. It, I just didn't feel right about the integrity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that place got splashed all over the papers about six months after I left. And, and it turned out there was so much more going on than I ever knew about. Wow. Um, the second half of that is one of those investors later brought me on. Wow, and something that he—it was just one of those things that he—he he identified that the difficulty that I was having, and then he mentored me for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And um, well, he just,
1: realized like, you had integrity, and yeah. you can't buy integrity, you can't fake yeah. integrity. I mean, that's the real deal, right there. That's so important.
2: So, and I do—I revisit this a few times. Uh, I know in each of the stories, I think whenever I look back to let people know it, it is the thing that will set you up. It was knowing that these are, that's when you make these small compromises of your integrity, even when you know it's okay, or you're told it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's it's still, there's still honesty. There's still values. You still want to be able to stand and hold your head up high at all times. Mm -hmm. And that often means going against the flow or not taking those permissions that are given to you if it doesn't feel right in your gut
0: yeah I love that. I definitely agree. well and I love that you have kind of tapped into so many different industries because I feel like like you said, you've learned so much through each of them and can take something from each of those to then you know propel you into other into what you you know the industry that you are in now or to any future industries um it just gives you so much of that tactical i guess of ev- it or Um, Experience and everything, Um, but I I definitely agree with the integrity. Like it's, you know, everyone's always looking for what they want to do in their like in their career and everything, but they also have to like realize what their values are and what's most important to them. Like because you could be doing like making tons of money, but like also like not supporting, you know, the greatest cause or the greatest company, and you're not going to feel as successful at the end of the day because of that. And that's why I love our question that we ask at the end of every episode is, what is your definition of success? Because it means so many different things to so many people, but I feel like over, like, what we've seen, um, through everyone is, it's not really about the money. It's more so about just how you feel at the end of the day. And if you're happy and, you know, just, um, like going back to just the morals and all of that. So
2: I think that's super important. And I'm sorry, I went down a really dark path there, but those are, those are just things I'm trying to get out there. And the more I I know, especially
1: young women, um, go ahead. Now that you're investing in other companies, what do you, what specifically do you look at and look for to make those decisions about which businesses you do want to invest in?
2: Well, I think it always comes down to the people and you know, the, the idea has to be solid and sound, but it always comes down to the people involved mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, their work ethic, and how, how dedicated they are, not only to the cause, but to the work and to the ultimate goal of success. I think a lot of people put a time limit on it, or they have a, a very, very specific parameters. They're willing to work X amount of hours because they need mm-hmm. that work-life balance. I know that's so popular out there, but when you're starting a business, you eat, breathe, sleep it until it's just like having a child. It is 24 hours a day. It's when you're sleeping, you're dreaming about it. When you wake up and you're brushing your teeth, you're thinking about it. Um, so I just, I, I, I need people who have that same mentality. I've tried to bring people along and I, it doesn't work as well. So that, that's the first part is the people the the idea, is it filling a need? And is, is there obviously a demand for it? Um, And then am I going to bring value to this? Because I'm not necessarily, I am a silent investor in a lot of situations, but I still like to, you know, whether I'm on the board and we're giving guidance, I want to make sure that I can do something that's going to help grow the business. I very rarely invest in a business, just throw some money at them and say, okay, have at it. Um, I want to know that there's something I can bring to the table that's amazing for them. Well and I love that you mentioned
0: um the work life balance thing cuz that's such a huge I remember when I was like starting my business like that was such a huge topic like oh make sure you have work life balance and it, they like people you know they were so many different webinars and ways to like fi- figure that out and I was like this is like a li-. I finally realized it's a lie because <laughs> I mean yes I'm sure <laughs> there's times where you can but I mean when you have when you're in your own business and that you are your own entrepreneur, it's, I mean, it just constantly clouds your mind too. Even if you do try and take that hour off or whatever, like you're like, well, I got three new emails or, you know, this one situation is still like clouding my mind. I can't stop thinking about it. Like, it's just so hard. I mean, and I like envy people who work for corporations who are like, oh, you know, I just leave it at the office, come home, like enjoy, relax. I'm like, I wish I could do that, but it's still like, it's just such a hard balance. And I, I agree. I think when you really want it and you, especially when you have investors involved, you have to be all in um, to, you know, to prove to them, but also prove to yourself that you can do this. It's not, you know, you got to eat, live, or what did, you, what did you say? Eat, Free sleep your business. Sleep it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely.
2: And, uh, you know, not everyone is an entrepreneur, and that's not a bad thing. Entrepreneurs can't have successful businesses unless you have people who wa- need that work life balance and who want to yeah. show up and do a good job every day and go home. You need that stability and that long term uh, commitment from employees. So it's not as if there's one that's better than another, it's just one is a better investment for new businesses and um i just i really enjoy watching people who have a passion for something and you just know they're going to go until they get success they're just going to hammer it away yeah and and that's fun one of the other things that has happened uh and i I mentioned this earlier with legal and medical is sometimes it's just a matter of tweaking something that's already there um and whether law firms, as an example, I don't know how many people have had experiences with lawyers, but I remember that moment of like, wow, if this was my law firm, I would, I would make sure they called me back. I would make sure they, I would make sure, you know, they, there was certain, there was all these things that I remember when I had to go through, use law firms for a while, um, that I just kind of in my mind, oh, I do this differently. I do this differently. And nobody likes having to be at a, at a lawyer's office, but I took those mental notes. So 10 years later, when I found myself in a situation where a lawyer wanted to partner with me so I could grow his business, I had all these ideas. I wasn't doing anything uh, to change how he practiced law. I was changing the business, the culture, the relationship with his clients, Mm -hmm. and then doing that again in medicine. So for those out there that don't necessarily have a specific, um, you know, passion or hobby that they want to turn into a business, a lot of times you can just be that business engine behind somebody else who is already doing something and help them do it better. And I, I have found having those partnerships, it's incredibly rewarding and very profitable.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I love that you just took your own experience and what you felt was missing from the, uh, attorney's office and were able to then use that years later to make it a better environment and a better run business. I love that. So it's, it's one of those things where the fact that you were just being observant and taking note came back to bless you in business. (laughs)
0: Well, and I don't know if this is a stupid question, but figured this is no stupid questions, Angelica. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, if someone wanted to start becoming an investor, um, is that something that you do individually, or do you still have to have like an LLC? Are you like considered a business that's like investing that money, or uh, yeah, how does that I guess work as far as like starting to become an investor?
2: So for people who are at that place where they have a little discretionary income or money that they can turn around and invest and in, they don't necessarily, maybe they're already in the market, maybe they don't want to be in the market, or maybe they just want to help their local economy or someone they know, there's a few different ways to do it. I'd always recommend doing it through an entity, rather, otherwise it's just a personal loan to someone. So you can be an investor in the way of you're helping someone with their debt uh, financing and you're just lending them money. -hmm. And uh and then there's equity and equity funding where you're coming in and taking a piece of the business and giving them money for that. So you have skin in the game and Mm -hmm. it's in your personal best interest to make sure they're successful. And so if you're if someone is at that place where they want to get into that space, it's a matter of how much uh, time they have, how much Mm -hmm. interest they have, and how much value they think they can bring to that business. If it's just debt funding they're providing. Um, that's just a loan. That's pretty simple, mm-hmm. uh, and but for the most part, I'd recommend they always do it through uh, LLC or S corp. Okay. Um, you know that's between them and their accountant. But yeah,
0: <laughs> cool. I was just always so interested how like one begins to start that journey or all that.
1: And I, it is an interesting subject, and I think that's a great question. Um, and I'm curious to know. So, do you then have a separate LLC for each company that you invest in or do you have one big umbrella LLC and you're an investor in this restaurant and this aesthetics
2: firm and um, how does that work I do have a few a few LLCs that are my top levels and I have well I have a couple S corps and then my LLCs have other LLCs and the and so I'll have that kind of that top level holding. And then I have a sub LLC that holds all my investments that are in the medical. I have okay. one that has all the investments that are in the legal MSOs. And then I have one that's miscellaneous. So that has hon- owns percentages of businesses that are in publishing and restaurants mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. manufacturing. So, so but what the is business- it? own the equity in the other businesses. I don't personally, I just keep that all under one big umbrella. So with an LLC, you know, those are pass-throughs and the, so some of these businesses are going to take losses for the year and others are going to have huge gains. And hopefully by the time they get up to that top level LLC, where the K-1 hits your personal tax return, you're kind of evened out in order to limit your tax liability. That's kind of, that's the goal. And, Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So, and you mentioned uh, MSOs. What is an MSO? That's the Management Services Organization, and that's okay. the, the space I've really been heavily in the last 15 years, and that's where I'm managing those legal practices and those medical mm. practices in a legally compliant fashion, but it does allow me to really focus on the business and development part while the lawyers, you know, practice law and the doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs practice medicine. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Um, which I feel like that is what has led to kind of your newest thing that you're exploring, and that is public speaking, everyone's <laughs> biggest fear in life. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that has evolved and um, where you see that, what, how you see yourself going in that direction a little bit?
2: Absolutely. Well, I've been, I've had invitations to speak for a good five, eight years now. And that is truly, I'm one of those people who I I feared public speaking more than death. It was, you hear those, I, you hear those uh, surveys. I totally understood that. I have friends who just live to have a microphone in their hand, but it just, For whatever reason i've always been a behind the scenes person uh this last year i've been encouraged by many people including you uh, (laughs) to get out there and start sharing what i know and that's really been what the push was it was okay if it's not about me it's about the people i can share this information to and if i can share to young men and women who want to become their you know entrepreneurs or their own business owners or even investors and share what i know to help them skip ahead a little faster then that was, that was the motivation. And a couple of weeks ago, I took the stage at a very large conference and a few panels to, um, to just share and help others. And it was so rewarding. And I, I feel I'm actually looking forward to the next, the next conference. And it's, it's just funny how, when your, your mindset changes, And it's not about you and whether or not you're going to fail or say things wrong. It's about trying to help others and relay that information that's going to catapult them into their success. Mm -hmm. Then you just get excited. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I am just so happy
1: and excited that you have made this leap and that you're enjoying it. Yeah. because you do have such um, a wonderful and rich, interesting story. Um, So diverse. And um, I mean, it's it's just so powerful for so many women, I think, to hear this because um, I don't, I, I feel like I know a lot of women, but you are definitely unique in what, how you've grown your businesses um and how you continue to branch out and now that you're conti- now that you're reaching out and speaking and helping others i just love it and it's so exciting to see um and i'm and i'm so thrilled that it's been such a positive response and that you're actually enjoying it now that's great
2: well thank you for your encouragement because i Know that I would have done it without a few little words of encouragement from you.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad if I could contribute and help in any way because the, what you're sharing uh, and the information that you have is mm-hmm. so important. I am curious, you talked about that when you're looking at an invest in a business and whether you want to invest in or not, the people, and how do you get a read on if, if A person is someone that you can trust because just like early on you you know you lost that business because you trusted them but also early on your neighbors you were able to trust them with a handshake so uh, are there things specific signs that you can look for or is it just staying and
2: working with that person you get a feel for it you know, it's it's funny. That's an excellent question. Uh, I, I drive my husband crazy because I'll come home and have this great idea, and and have met somebody, and I just feel it in my gut. Mm-hmm. And that's not really something you can tell people. And and you can be wrong, and you yeah. can't. That's not duplicatable. Just feel it in your gut. Right. Uh, but there's a, there's a few things that I'm looking for in individuals who are starting their own businesses or who have recently started. And that's a, a dependability, a commitment. And sometimes the way I can gauge that is in looking at their relationships, either friendships, marriages, family relationships. Are they are they able to maintain a relationship for a long period of time and add value? Are they able to, have they demonstrated that they follow through on their word even to their own detriment? Um, that's a lot of what being an entrepreneur is, is fulfilling your word over and over and over again, even though you in many times there's great sacrifice and there's no compensation for it in the beginning. So someone who's in it for the short term, uh, and just waiting for that payoff in three, six, nine months, that's not a good investment. It's not a good place for them to be either. Um, there is the gut factor. And um, I mentioned this earlier that people can, I've had people pitch me and they, you, you get the feeling that they're either a con artist and they're going to take your investment and run. And but they have this capability. And I I mentioned this to you earlier that I have four investments right now where they fit that bill. They could have just taken that investment and run as, as if it was a score for them, Mm -hmm. but they had a good idea and I believed in them and I believe they had what it took. I just had to help guide them out of that, out of the con uh, uh, and, and I don't mean that they actually were going to run, but they weren't really invested. They were more, it was more about the challenge. Can we get the investment? And I wanted them to get their eyes off the investment and onto the business idea. And once they did that, um, you know, they've all done very, very well. They just needed the right encouragement and they needed to start seeing themselves as successful business people and not just people who are good at a sale and a close.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. Definitely.
2: And well, that's and, definitely yeah. something
1: where um I mean, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs don't have that side. They don't have the sale. They don't have the the um confidence um and they they don't even they they aren't even asking for the money because they don't have the confidence in themselves to ask. Mhm. So I guess it is a little bit of a balancing act and you do need a little bit of both.
2: Yeah. It's funny that you say that because there is the exact opposite of that situation. And just uh, two months ago I invested in a a publishing company, a young woman who is just brilliant. She's beautiful. She's uh, just, I'm so impressed by her and what she's accomplished. And I initially approached her about investing because I could see what she was trying to build and just a, an investment to help push her, you know, five mm-hmm. years faster. I could see her, I could see exactly where it needed to be. And she was hesitant. She didn't want to take someone else's money because she didn't want to let me down. Yeah, she right. didn't want to lose my money. She was willing to just struggle over and over on just a shoestring budget of self-funding. So there there are two sides, but that's mm-hmm. yet another reason why I felt so good about backing her. Yes. So, yeah. I, I love on, that.
1: Yeah. That's a beautiful
0: story. Well, I'm curious to know how the money conversation differs between women entrepreneurs and men entrepreneurs. Do you notice like a conversational shift or how? <laughs> um,
2: yes. Um, so it's, it's really interesting, but especially with this, I have found women to be much more resourceful with, with their startup dollars than men. They will stretch a penny. I mean, they will just, it's been really fun to watch that just this last year with a couple. and a oh, couple of these women you who, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll yard sale for the office supplies. They will, like, they're just, they're doing what they need to do. There's sometimes there's a point where I have to say, you know, this isn't worth your time. You need to just <laughs> order it from Home Depot <laughs> or Office Depot and get it here. And because you need to be working on this. Yeah. So I do find that women bootstrap a lot better than men. Um, the flip side of that is men. Um, and I know these are generalizations. These are just right that I've had, um, men are a lot more accepting of debt and they want to scale faster and leverage is is something they tend to stomach better than even me. I am not, I'm not one to do a lot on debt. Um, I've had, I've had many men sit me down and talk to me about if I could just leverage what I have, you know, how, you know, add a couple zeros to that net worth and all of it. And it's just not my comfort zone. But there is something very exciting and fun and I'm involved in a few of those those businesses as well where we went ahead and, and had an investment and I okayed them to leverage it and it grew huge and it grew fast. Um, but those are the two that I see the biggest differences in.
1: Do you think maybe it even goes back to, I mean, something as simple as the differences that um, in like the way that we raise are boys versus girls as far as, uh, I mean, I always, because I was a little bit of a tomboy growing up, I had three boys and one girl, and I, I didn't, I tried to not ever discourage her from doing any of the rough and tumble things that they did, but I do think somewhat societally, it's like, oh, you know, honey, don't do that. Don't jump there. Don't, you know, whereas boys are like, jump, you can do it, go for it. You know, they're like, there is a little bit, I feel like it's becoming less of a difference, but I do feel like there is a difference in the way that boys and girls are raised and that boys are raised to be more risk risk takers in Mm -hmm. general.
2: That's a very good point. And I, I do see that. And like you said, i see with time that's changing. What I tend to, um, identify is men are very compartmentalized. So have you, ever, I don't know if you've ever heard about that, like the men in their boxes, they're in a box that box is their thought and they're not mm-hmm. thinking about anything else versus yeah. the woman brain. My husband calls me linguini brain. It's just like a whole bunch of uh, <laughs> linguine noodles wrapped in a ball and every thought intersects with a hundred other thoughts mm-hmm. and because it's all connected. And so as that pertains to what you were saying with men, they can jump in the business box and leave it there. And with women, I think we're very relational. So there's a lot to consider with debt. With men, it's either it's the numbers, it's going to work or it's not. And yes, there's a consequence, but it's very um, analytical. And with women, when I when I talk with them, um, and and th- remember, we're talking about startups to five million dollars. You know, it, that's kind of where I am: zero to five million in revenues when I come in. And, uh, everything is about the relationship, the relationship with the employees, their husband, their parents, all those, uh, things are brought up. The conversations and the relationships are, are brought up when we're talking about scaling. So where, if I sit down with men, it's the numbers. And if we leverage this and this number hits it, it's all, it's very compartmentalized. And I do, to me, I think that's even a, a bigger indicator of, um, of the difference, so yeah, that's very interesting. That's awesome. Love yeah. that.
1: Well, as much as, as much as I don't want to, I feel like we probably need to start wrapping up here. <sighs> All right, fine. <laughs> no, I um, Yes. So
0: we always like to wrap up our episodes with asking our speakers two questions. Um, the first question being, what is your definition of success?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say to my definition of success is to live in a place of joy and abundance and contribution. Um, you know, that's, you can make all the money in the world. And if you don't have that feeling of, con- of joy, contribution, abundance, it's going to be empty mm-hmm. and, uh, you can have very little in life and feel those things and be full so that's success to me. Love that. Beautiful. Oh, so good. <laughs> and then uh, what are the three
1: words that come to mind when you think about money? Hmm.
2: Opportunity, um, abundance, and value. Money is just a measurement of value. I love that. I love that.
1: Wow. What a great episode. This is, so thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us, Nicole. Um, one just, we, this is just an added thing that I, um, we're going to tack on here at the end, even though we just said we were wrapping up. If you had one opportunity to give like your best business advice to um, a female starting out her career, what would that be?
2: Oh gosh, I would say be true to yourself. And when when I say that, it's not about putting yourself first. It's about your integrity, telling the truth, making sure your name is one of value and respect. And um, you know that also goes with how you spend your money. Make sure that's an honest purchase that you're, you're not spending more than what you have. Everyone starts out somewhere mm-hmm. and don't be ashamed of where you're at. Don't pretend like you're somewhere else. Uh, don't put yourself in a bad position with, uh, money or debt, uh, just to exude an image. And, you know, you're going to get where you want to go. And the further you have to go from where you are, that's just a bigger victory and that's a better mm-hmm. story. And that's the really? more inspirational, um, process. So when you get there, you can share it with others, and um, that, wow. that's what I would want to share with yeah, them. That was so beautiful, and that <laughs> is
1: and that is perfect. Um, that speaks to how you started with, you know, this, you started doing great and then you lost it all. And then you've built it back. I mean, it's like, that's perfect because that's, it. it is a better story. If I didn't know that part about you losing it and hearing that it's like, I even have more respect for you than I already had (laughs) that you came back from that and that you didn't just go, well, okay, I blew it. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: Well, I think resilience is huge in entrepreneurship and just in life in general, but um, yes. so many, I mean, and I think that those those mistakes or those failures like really do bring so on so many lessons that you would have never known, you know? And so I, I, I try to call them like blessings or like, you know, just yes. try and like mind shift it in a way that's like not so like such a negative word um, because I really do believe that they bring a lot of positive um, growth from it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your
2: story. Yes. If it's okay, I'd love to share just one more thing. Yeah, of course. Okay. There's one thing that in the last five years uh, has totally transformed how I do my businesses, how I invest, how I live. And that has really been, it took it took well over 20 years for me to figure this out or at least um, identify it, but to get out of the zero sum idea that in order for me to gain, someone else has to lose or vice versa once I got into this place where there was just this abundance and I, it might be a short-term loss. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to provide more value to whether it's a client, whether it's an investor, whatever it is, always trying to provide the most amount of value. It comes back to you. And, you know, it's funny. Um, just that book, uh, I, don't, I think it's called The Secret, that, that mm-hmm. whole concept of law of attraction. I never studied that for years. I've heard about it. What it was 20 years ago, Oprah mentioned something about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was about people like wanting to attract other people <laughs> and, and romantically. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's not for me. I'm married. I'm fine. But uh, there is this concept of the more, gen- however you want to label it, the more generous you are with your time, the more value you provide to others the more it's going to fulfill, it's going to come back to you. And it might come back to you in different ways. So open your mind, open your uh, vision, and don't focus on this little deal in front of you thinking you're going to lose. Over-deliver. Over-deliver every time And, and it's going to, your whole world, business, financial, all of it is going to open up. And that's something that just in the last five years, I have practiced it over and over just almost as an experiment. And I have each time I have been floored at the results. So I definitely want to encourage, especially uh, young entrepreneurs looking at this, um, this big path in front of them over deliver. Don't worry about the small short-term deal. You're going to make it up in the long term. I
1: love that. That's a beautiful message.
0: I love that too.
2: Okay. You all
1: know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.